Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, North Stream. Got ready this the guys on tech. I am Eagle Falcon. I'm be perfectly honest, I am not gonna be in my normal, loud, bolsterous tone that I normally am, because uh quite frankly, um I was really, really distracted pretty much after I recorded the podcast on Sunday. There was no time to record this bonus episode. I then ended up having to go and troubleshoot some stuff. Monday was a day that pretty much um, I worked from dawn to closing straight, came home, struggled with the capture card, struggled getting things up and running, and then streamed until midnight to go ahead and make up the fact that I started late and then wake up and then well here we are today we're actually recording this on Tuesday at I'm not even kidding 12:30 a.m. solely because there's actually an exciting time here in the studio our studio here consists of two HP Z440 workstation Towers now. Before you go, oh, HP. Oh, those are terrible computers. HP, Dell, Lenovo—they all make really good computers and really bad computers. And most of the really bad computers are what you end up getting your hands on. The Z workstations are in a class of their own. I actually do recommend taking a look and at the uh, Z six hundred and eight hundred series you'll end up finding mostly dual socket towers that are very, very modular in the way they're, well, not really modular, but um, very toolless in the way they're constructed, easily serviceable, and really something that you kind of wish we would see in the consumer space. Now, the Z400 is the cut-down version, single socket, but there is still some interesting serviceability, such as a platinum-grade power supply, and the ability to use Xeon processors, which you can usually pick up on dirt cheap. We were rocking, the streaming system had 32 gigabytes of DDR4 ECC RAM, and all, or maybe it's DDR3. It actually might be DDR3 now. Man, that's gonna be showing its age soon, but I digress. It was also rocking a quad core 3.5 gigahertz Xeon processor. We just upgraded it with an 8-core 3 gigahertz CPU. And holy cow, I knew that that being short like a CPU core or two was really holding us back. But we're able to render on CPU again. We're getting better quality stream. The GPU is being freed up and not peaking. Our audio is functioning flawlessly. We were having a little bit of little blips here and there. If we're doing too much, I don't think it ever translated to the podcast. But it definitely did show on the stream during the breaks and the starting soon screens. When there'd be a lot of elements on the screen to go ahead and give information, as well as playing the audio that runs on USB at the same time. Our audio here actually is very, um, it's actually kind of standard now in the streaming space. 
I have what is referred to as a XLR microphone. Specifically, I use the Shure SM7B, which is a very, very good professional microphone, but it goes into a device called a Go XLR, which is also a very good device, but not what people would consider top tier professional. Some people would even argue that the Go XLR holds back what the Shure SM7B can do. And I, I, I can see that, but I mean, as you can hear, the audio quality is fantastic. And then on top of that, the Go XLR gives me a whole lot of other tools, such as a voice changer that I almost never use on the podcast and a sensor button that I almost never use on the podcast, but also a cough button, volume controls, and all sorts of other niceties that actually help me do both the stream and the podcast very, very well. But in any case, uh, that is why this podcast is a little late. Anyway, should I actually do the podcast instead of complaining about why it's late? That I actually, oddly enough, did not have all that many stories that didn't end up in the podcast. There's only a handful. But I also want to give a little bit of insight, a little bit more behind the scenes than just the upgrades that were just done today. Such as, first things first, Bloomberg is reporting that Apple is going to be debuting a low-cost 5G iPhone and iPad in early March. Honestly, this almost falls into the category of no, really? I would have never guessed. But of course they would. 5G has... I've, I'm actually legitimately surprised how quickly 5G adoption came around. Like, normally how it ends up going, what it did with 3G and 4G... 4G I remember much, much, much more clearly than I do 3G, obviously, since, well, 3G was... I'll be perfectly honest, when 3G rolled around, the majority of people that had cell phones, they were still flip phones. They just were. Nobody saw a benefit to 3G, except for BlackBerry users and the two dozen iPhone users that existed at the time. Like, you're talking the original OG silverback iPhones. Back when we thought $500 for a phone was outrageous. Boy, has t have times changed. It's crazy how that works, right? That's how much the original iPhone was, by the way. It was about 500. But then the price dropped down to 300. And that was a game changer. Whoa. Jeep phones are still very, very much sought after. And actually, as we were joking in the main podcast, it's kind of funny how cheap phones are becoming more and more rare. And what's even more rare is phones that have features to prolong the life of the phone. Even features that were considered simple back in the day, like a headphone jack, gone. And I look at my S21 Ultra in my hand right now, which currently 
is out of its case because I needed to use it on the gimbal earlier for footage I don't know if I'm going to use. You could have put a headphone jack in there. It would have been easy. But they didn't do it. Because they wanted you to buy their Bluetooth headphones. That is the unfortunate world of the smartphone right now. And quite frankly, I really, really, really do wish we could start switching to a model where we'd have more modular phones and could do upgrades. Like, heck, I just breathed new life into the Z440 over here. Doubled its core count. It cost me 80 bucks. Bam. Streaming career saved. For 80 bucks, and it kept the Z440 out of the landfill. And the machine I would have bought, well, now it can go into someone else's hands who needs it more than I do. Win, 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 win. This is the other reason why we push things like right to repair so much. How the heck did we even get in this conversation? Anyway, Apple announcing, or not, not announcing, but rumored to be announcing the iPhone, a new low-cost iPhone. Let's be honest, it's going to be the iPhone SE. It, it's going to be a new version of the iPhone SE. And quite frankly, it's going to be a hit. Let's be perfectly honest. The, I, the iPhone SE, for those who are unaware, is a version of the iPhone that Apple sells that actually has a current gen processor in it, but the design language and a lot of the features are still behind. The current iPhone SE actually uses an iPhone 8 styling to it, single camera with a bezel on the top and bottom with a fingerprint ID reader on it. Starting with 64 gigabytes of internal storage, no headphone jack, no, oh, of course, no expandable storage, but it starts at 64 gigs, goes up to 128 gigs. The price starts at $399. That's kind of big. I mean, let's be perfectly honest. Because you can gripe, you can groan, oh man, the price of the iPhone's so high. Oh man, I can never get my hands on one. Oh man, but I'm buying an older one. That means it's not going to last as long. Dude, three ninety nine. That is right there with a lot of the budget Android phones. And if they're able to hit that $400 price point and include 5G, which like I was getting to before I got completely distracted. Five G is in pretty much everything right now. I'm willing to bet that a lot of super cheap Android phones also right now 
our 5G. He says, while going over to his local carrier's site to see what is the cheapest Android phone that I can get my hands on that's current. Let's actually take a look. I'm going to sort low to high. We have a Moto G Pure for 150 bucks. Holy cow. You know, all of a sudden. Oh, wow. Actually, hey, we have a T-Mobile. Wait, we have the Revel V Plus 5G for 199 And that's a 5G phone. Who makes this phone? Because it sure as heck isn't T-Mobile. Okay, apparently it is. Oh, and that actually is expandable storage too, so it has an SD card slot. Does it have a headphone jack? It has a headphone jack too. <laughs> oh man. That's hilarious. That's actually not bad, honestly. The only thing I see being a problem on this is it's not telling us the exact version of Android. Um, I don't know how much faith I have in MediaTek Dimensity 700 processor. <laughs> and um, uh, it only has four gigs of RAM. So it's going to be heavily limited on that as well. But those are also the kind of things you got to consider you consider a budget Android phone versus a budget Apple phone because the Apple phone would have the current version of the SOC that phone I just mentioned for half the price of the iPhone SE is using a mystery processor I'm just telling you be aware of what's going to be going on. Wait, what the heck? No. This is going to be the most distracted pop. This is what I get for recording something like this late at night. Because I am just super distracted. The, the, uh, the folding phone razor is on sale at T-Bowl right now for 200 bucks. Are you kidding me? Wow. I I'm blown away by that. I mean, granted, I, I oh man. 200 bucks, if I had $200 spare, I would be tempted just to try it, report on it, and maybe try to make my money back by making content about it, but man, I can't see myself daily driving a folding phone still. Anyway, we should stop that and instead um 
Maybe we should we should switch gears. We should switch gears. Anyway, speculation reports are say saying that an Apple event is due March eighth to reveal a new version of the iPhone SE and updated iPads. All right, you know what? One more thing. One more thing. Let me actually take a look at the current model of iPads. So the current model of iPads that were just recently updated was the iPad mini. The baseline iPad got an internal spec bump and starts at 329. And the iPad Air and iPad Pro are, you know, they, they are what they are. Maybe we'll see the iPad Pro get a processor bump no probably not because i just had the m1 and i can't imagine apple would let the ipad pro be the debut of their next generation mac soc i think it's gonna be an update on actually the ipad i think the baseline ipad is gonna finally get the iPad Air treatment and eliminate the lightning port. That's going to be my call. Or it could be the entire iPad line just vanishes and the iPad Air is introduced with a different SoC and updated with a lower price point. So it's kind of weird. You have four iPad models right now. You have the iPad Pro, which is the high-end model at either 10 inches or 13 inches with the um, face scanning cameras, actual pure Thunderbolt, quad speakers, and the Mac M1 chip. You have the iPad Air, which looks exactly the same as the iPad Pro, except has a more traditional Apple SoC. Uh, stereo speakers, instead of the quad speakers, a standard front-facing camera with a fingerprint reader and the button and USB-C. You have the regular iPad, just iPad, which has a um, thicker border on the top and bottom, fingerprint ID, a home button, a lightning port, and a more old-school design. The iPad mini, which looks just like the iPad Air, except shrunk down. So you just got this like standard iPad that just stands out like a sore thumb. I think they finally ax it and just have the iPad Air become the iPad at the lower price with some other features maybe trimmed down, but probably not. That's what I think is going to happen if there's going to be an updated iPad. Because otherwise the iPad lineup is just really solid right now. We're going to shift gears radically then over to chip shortages. Right now, the push of Wi-Fi 6E, which, by the way, is awful. Wi-Fi 6E, for those who don't know, 
is a version of Wi-Fi 6 that is enhanced a bit. Basically, it is Wi-Fi 7, but not quite there. So they went ahead and killed the naming notation of Wi-Fi 5, 6, 7 and just called it Wi-Fi 6 E. We couldn't call it Wi-Fi point, uh, 6.5. We couldn't do something logical like that. Nah, 6E. Whatever. The unfortunate thing is that um, we can't get the equipment out for Wi-Fi 6E anyway because, of course, of the chip shortages. Well, good news. Wi-Fi 7 is on the way. All I can do is shake my head. But you know, we're going to see Wi-Fi 7. It's going to be shipping as early as 2023. And um, basically it means Wi-Fi 6E, the standard that nobody should care about, will just be um, gone. Poof. We'll just stop existing. Wi-Fi 7 will, will aim to cut cut the cords pretty much entirely as it's going to be using the 6 gigahertz band and hopes to have that be as reliable as hardline ethernet with which pretty much anyone who does networking will it just kind of goes yeah okay there bud we'll see how that goes and i kind of have to agree i just don't see that happening I also don't see happening uh, Nissan to end the development of new internal combustion engines in all its major markets except the U.S. Okay, you know what? I do actually see that happening. And focus resources on electric vehicles. I mean, are you really surprised? Electric vehicles are absolutely going to be the future. And there's pretty much... Nothing anyone can say about it. I will say without a doubt, consumer vehicles are 100% going to go pure electric. Commercial, we'll see. There's some hurdles commercials definitely going to have to get over. That much is absolutely for certain. Here in the U.S., however, you notice they said, hey, you know what? We, we can't do it in the U.S. yet. And the reason is very simple. The United States is massive. And the United States, I can take a gasoline or diesel-powered vehicle, and I can crisscross the entire Nation. Assuming my credit card doesn't bounce. On an electric vehicle, unless it's a Tesla and you follow very specific routes, you can't yet. And yet is the key point. There is a number of outlets here in the U.S. that are trying to 
pretty much make an electric infrastructure. But it's just not here yet. And the ones that are up, there just seems to be some very, very strange hangups in the way they function. And it's going to be a massive hurdle. Another massive hurdle. The IRS is halting their plan to require facial recognition for logging use logging into user accounts. Apparently that was a thing they were planning. But of course, facial recognition software in general has gotten massive amounts of pushback. So naturally, while the world is being very, very confused on what to do with its life and how to handle everything, um, while everyone else has pretty much moved on from the facial recognition issue, the IRS has brought it up three years later and went, oh, 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 oh yeah, um, we're, don't do that, please. Funny how true it is. Like, I want to joke, but it's true. Finally, though, I want to talk briefly about the Nintendo Direct. Nintendo had a direct event, and uh, for the most part, the, um, the things that are shown off were adequate. One thing, though, just kind of I'm curious what other people have to say about this. So Mario Kart 8 has been the current Mario Kart game for quite some time. I want to say it originally started on the Wii U. It then came to the Switch. And, uh, well, they just haven't altered anything yet. But what they're going to be doing is that instead of releasing a Mario Kart 9 they're going to go ahead and include paid DLC, including up to 48 additional courses that will be available by the end of 2023. Pre-orders for the booster course pass open up at $25. It is unclear at this time how many of those courses are included. I would hope all 48. But... Here is the additional carrot on a stick. This goes back to the expansion pass. Wait, it's not the expansion pass. Where? What is the name of it? Ah, whatever. It's too late at night for me to go ahead and look this up. The Switch Online subscription had two plans, one of which was $20 a year. The other was $50 a year. The $50 year one includes everything that's in the $20 year one, but also includes a bad library of Sega Genesis games and Nintendo 64 games. Also, the Nintendo 64 games, I, I don't know about the Sega games. I've never owned a Sega Genesis 
but the N64 games that were available uh, were at worse quality than you'd get on other emulators. Smooth. Oh yeah, and of course, there's only, you know, eight games or something like that. But what we have started to see is that the paid DLC for Animal Crossing New Horizon is also a part of that plan. Well, these new 48 courses are also being included in that expanded plan. So is this going to be the name of the game? $50 a year and you get DLC for the Switch games. However, here's the thought I want to give you. Of which I can take advantage of the fact that I'm recording this two days later than I should be. It was announced today that in late March 2023, it will no longer be possible to make Nintendo eShop purchases for the Wii U and the Nintendo 3DS family of systems. So what happens to all your Switch games when the Switch shop shuts down? Do you still get to use that DLC? Heck, just in the right now, if I go ahead and get the $50 plan for the year and start some of the DLC content and then cancel it because times get short because I went ahead and spent $50 on a plan that I shouldn't have. Do I still get to keep that content? It normally would have been a one-time pay DLC. But now I'm paying per month for it. These are questions that, quite frankly, I don't have the answer to, but I probably could find it in an instant, but it's, you know, 1 a.m., but these are the sort of things I do want people to think about as we start seeing games as a service take on a brand new life. So normally I would go ahead, break, come back and talk about the podcast stuff, but I'm just actually going to make it very, very brief. In the podcasting side of things, the only thing that's really changed, I don't know if I talked about this before, is the fact that on both podcasts, Eagle Eyes on Tech and the Early Bird Briefing, whenever I upload an episode now, it asks, have you read Spotify's platform rules? Basically talking about how you cannot publish intentional misinformation or publish hate speech, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which obviously we don't except against Chromebooks because Chromebooks are a bad decision. The other thing is that I have noticed that the language for where the anchor ads are added in a new episode have changed. It now just says add an ad. 
before it said something about uh, add host red sponsor spot or something like that. Because that's all I had access to were host red sponsor spots. Does this mean that advertising is coming soon? I honestly certainly hope so. I know a lot of people are not going to be too thrilled with me injecting more ads into podcast into these podcasts, but I mean, right now, I'll be perfectly honest, I'm basically doing these podcasts for free. <laughs> the host read ads for Eagle Eyes on Tech, no joke, I have made a grand total on those of $12.85. I have made more in the subscriptions bought by you guys who listen to this bonus episode, which, by the way, thank you, than I have in those ad spots. Mostly because Anchor only allows a maximum of $15. I don't know what happens when I reach that cap, by the way. Do just all the host, do just all the anchor ads and all the Eagle Eyes on Texas episodes just vanish? And the last time I spoke to Anchor about it, they're just like, I don't know, you figure it out, nerd. Which is not really great. I'll be perfectly honest. Though there was one new feature update. And that is the early bird briefing, not Eagle Eyes on Tech. The early bird briefing can now upload video podcasts to Spotify. But by doing so, you cannot inject an ad at all, which then brings up the question, what is the point? Anchor, buddy, pal, friend. I got a feeling that whoever's at the helm just has ideas and just doesn't look over or try to manage what your staff is doing at all or is just promising stuff that you just aren't ready for. But here's the other thing. I do plan on reworking my OBS to have this podcast be more visually pleasant in addition to actually just visually pleasant so it can be a video podcast but uh guess what it is not gonna be to have it be a video podcast on anchor it's just not unless that system drastically improves it is gonna be to put on youtube I was really close to doing it for this last one, but I didn't have the scenes ready on Eagle Eyes on Tech to go ahead and do it. I don't think I'm going to have it ready this week either, just based on what's going on this week with um, various things in my personal life. So, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. I do want to get this podcast on YouTube. I do want to have my YouTube channel go ahead and actually do some additional work for me other than maybe posting a vlog once a month. And I think putting Eagle Eyes on Tech on it would be a great start. So with that, folks, that is going to do it for me for this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. Thank you so much for listening to me. 
And I do encourage you to check out my other works, The Early Bird Briefing, anchor.fm slash early B-I-R-B briefing. And of course, check out the main podcast, anchor.fm slash eagle eyes on tech. And check out my Twitch page, twitch.tv slash eagle falcon. Take care, and I hope you have a great day.